and a final time of 2 minutes 3.02 seconds, Victor Espinosa has won the Kentucky Derby two years in a row. All right, thank you for listening to the ESPC Podcast Network. This is going to be horse racing true crime, and then we're going to take a break for uh, the Kentucky Derby, right, the Triple Crown races. But before that, we'll take a, a break for the NFL draft. Uh, we, you know, we can preview, preview the, the draft one week before, and then we'll have three days. We sat like last year. We'll go through the NFL draft. We had a lot of success last year, and I'll make sure all the alerts come to the people that were listening last year. And what we're going to do is going to repeat it because, like Einstein said, right, with uh, his assistant told Einstein, Einstein, the kids are going to cheat on the test. You got the same questions on the final exams as last year. He's like, no, that was last year. The answers have changed. <laughs> so even though it's the same material, there's a lot more detail and there's a lot more perspective. And as far as I know, the George Navarro case hasn't been settled. So that's going to be the foundation for it. But to add context, in this first episode, we're going to go through an interview Roger Stein had with Mike Gills seven years ago. Because even though things change in a year, sometimes the more things change, the more things stay the same. So this will be a horse racing true crime podcast. So we're going to go over the, the indictment of George Navarro and Jason Service, but there's a lot of ripple effects as sports betting gets legalized as big argument, is sports betting going to be regulated? And if it is regulated, is it going to be regulated like the horse racing industry? And uh, between Scott and I, because Scott's going to help me, uh, Mike Persinese helped me last year, Scott's going to help me this year. I'll talk to Mike Persinese to see how he's doing. He'll probably join us on a few he does have perspectives on it, but between me and him, we're over a hundred years old. So if we didn't have some insight, be able to read people, we would have been dead a long time ago. So we have that, we have that insight of keeping ourselves alive to have MBA, uh, master's degrees. And sometimes when you get a business case, you do have to do some investigation. I'm not a lawyer, but I have to ask Lawyers, really good questions. If I hire a private detective, it needs to be able to track. Give them ideas of what the next move is. Yep. So this helps to that end. We're going to learn a lot about human nature, a lot about sports betting. Uh, and I'm going to learn a lot about the horse racing industry. Mm-hmm. Um, big maximum business. If you're the smartest, toughest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And also diversity, right? The NFL is getting diversity wrong. It's not just race, gender, disability. It's getting different, different perspectives or perspective from different parts of the country to break down and get to the maximum level of reality based on our perception. Because perception is 50-50. So you gain more. It's one of the basic rules in life is know your surroundings. And if you can get more perspectives on your surroundings, you're better off. So thank you, Scott Coe, for helping me. Horse racing, true crime. Sure thing. Sure First thing. Off, 
Happy to be here. I'll take Buffalo plus two, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, in their new stadium. Yeah. They got their um, new game. You know, I've become a, a horse racing, uh, quote-unquote, fan in the last, like, a decade, I'd say. Okay. Um, so I used to go to Suffolk Downs a lot. So you'd see a lot of the retired people at Suffolk Downs um, right. spending their retirement money betting horses <laughs> and simulcasts and everything else. So, you know, me and my wife would go out there once a month, once every other month, um, you know, nothing too crazy. And, uh, you right. know, bet on the horses, um, you know, look at the look at the different things. So this stuff is fascinating to me. I mean, this, this stuff really is fascinating to me. Um, you know, I read a lot, a lot of stuff on Mike Gill, a lot of stuff on um, horse racing in general, the history of horse racing in Massachusetts. Nice. Um, you know, the, a little bit about the Kentucky Derby. I know the Derby and the Belmont and the Preakness taking a, a large, large amount of money. It's probably one of the highest one-day handles that they take yeah, in. Around, thir- you know, $233 million. Yeah. 250 million that's without counting the offshore yep probably a billion dollars worldwide yeah so it's a it's a booming uh, betting industry um you know there's a lot of those those races in the united emirates you know gulf stream you know the florida derbies that gets them to the kentucky Derby. so this stuff has, has really taken on a fascination for me after the NFL season is when I start kind of looking at different right. things. Hey, one of the books, so. Yeah, one of the books back there, we got two of them. We got Interference that will come up during this part of it because Gene Klein, the original owner of the, not the original owners, but um, after the Hilton family, the owner of the San Diego Trends was Gene Klein, and he made all his money through horse racing. Yep. Yep. Uh, the Rooney family made all their money through horse racing, right? The Rooney rule. Yeah. Black coach in the NFL. <laughs> Rooney, they made all their money through horse racing. That's how it started. The yeah. NFL has its roots in horse racing. And I'll give you another guy that was huge in horse racing, Bill Parcells. Huge guy in oh. horse racing. Huge oh, yeah. guy. He'd go up to Saratoga every summer <laughs> for, for that for that um, summer meet up there. So he was, you know, Huge NFL coach. There's another guy that was huge in the horse racing. So a lot of people are huge into this horse racing stuff. So, um, right. So, yeah. So we'll give you a report of what's going on in the industry as, as we learn it and what's going on with sports betting. Yep. And the lines and why we've been able to do so well. Uh, but you got to learn the history of it. Yes. Then you can monitor and get ahead of what's going to change, change and why. So for basis of context, so people are like, uh, Mike Cash, a podcast in the middle, said, Josh, man, what you said was crazy, but this is what I'm basing it on, using for context, and we have a lot of notes from last year. All of the notes are going to be in the episode notes, and I got a lot of questions and a lot of feedbacks and comments. So feel free, anything that doesn't make sense, uh, go ahead and send us feedback. Go ahead and make comments. I got comments on YouTube a lot. Uh, responded to them. And uh, we'll be ready to go. We'll be ready to go. But Mike Gill gives us context into what's going on with Portnoy. Uh, 
there's always been since the Roman Empire, there's always been some sort of syndicate, some sort of mafia, some sort of uh, they taught me in economics for school when I got my MBA that uh, an economy can't function unless 10 to 15 percent of it is underground money circulating. Yeah. Right now, the Russians are going to invade Ukraine and people are scared and money isn't circulating. Unfortunately, unfortunately, the, the prostitutes are still circulating. People are still selling drugs. People are doing whatever, gambling, whatever, yep. of having liquid around and the government supports it, right? right. Like uh, in the 80s when they sold crack to Nicaragua for the insurgents for, to yep. get the underground money flowing, right? Yep. So Mike Gill kind of helps, bleeds into the NFL podcast when we start back up in uh, August with the conference previews. Yep. Uh, gives us context to what we'll build on as the podcast series goes on. And every episode builds on the episode before, like a math class. Yeah. Where all the pieces fit together and you have to have a purpose and an outcome. Really, the purpose of this is education. The outcome is you understand more the world around you and the people around you because that's one of the vital things in life is understanding and knowing your surroundings and knowing uh, the sports betting industry. Is it going to be regulated? Is there going to be regulation? How does uh, uh, regulation look like? Because that was, you know, the first year we really got heavy into that. How it with the guy I did it with uh, Greg Wolf, who owns an options firm. We talked about it. We talked about the roots of regulation, FAFSA, and what, what have you, with um, Trump's good friend, uh, Chris Christie. <laughs> right? He's the, he's the one who got sports being legalized. And now New Jersey has a $2 billion handle in a pandemic. It takes off once it's once it's in fully. Betting takes off. Doesn't matter what state it is. Right. You know, New Hampshire is, is completely blown up. Um, up here, New Jersey, as you said, is blown up. Maine, Maine didn't want to do it. Now Maine's going to do it. Yeah, I, eventually, within the next five or six, ten years, it's going to be in every state in the right. in the country. Right. Because it's just it's just funds that these governments can go to and use for different things so it, it's going to blow up it's you know new hampshire's blown up massachusetts is going to blow up eventually to not to the vegas new jersey point but it's going to blow up new york is, is completely blowing up right now so you know right. here on the east coast going up and down you know louisiana is another one down in the south that's right. blown up um kentucky you know louisiana was always blown up now it's above board Right? Yes, there yeah. was always uh, a illegal sports book in Biloxi, right? Yep, and, and they affect the numbers big time, right? So places yeah. that people don't think betting is blow is blowing up or is going to blow up, you're naive to the fact that it, it it's not blowing up because it is. It, betting is completely. It's just like the fantasy world. It's completely blown up. Betting is going to completely blow up once it's in every state in the country. It, you know, once you go to these football stadiums, what do you see? DraftKings, FanDuel, you know, all these things. And it's not just for, for daily fantasy. It, they have sports books on those things, sites too, 
as we talk about in the in the uh, NFL betting show. So and there's know, a war between that and then one podcast uh, will dedicate to the horse racing boards because uh, one of the things I, I look at now it's being looked at more. Uh, really, everybody. I'm kind of been slacking on it, but I, I'll look at it online. Everybody should go to the city council meeting and yeah. get a voice on it because you see these people at the grocery store and you have a voice. The level of corruption in every single city council all over the country is astounding. Right? Yes. No, so no. we'll look no. at the horse racing boards and the structure of that and how you should monitor this. Yes. Because of the level of corruption there. So yeah. We'll start with Mike Gill. We'll stop it. It's a, a major point, and this will provide uh, foundation and context for all the rest of the podcast until the NFL draft, until we do the NFL previews. And then I think now with you on board, Scott, once the NFL season starts and we get rolling, yeah, we can do a Breeders' Cup one. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and I'll be in Vegas in September too. So, oh, nice. Any horse race for my for my football stuff. So, any horse racing thing I see, I'll take notes on, and then we can, you know, we can talk about oh, absolutely. it at some point. Right, most likely I'll be able to join you at that point. Hopefully, the pandemic is and as immunocompromised. There's always <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, every time you, you turn around, there's something new that's coming out. So right. it's, so it's very tough. Cleared, I, I can go down there. You're right, right. All right. Here we go with Mike Gill. And then uh, it'll explain a lot of the craziness. Being forwards and wouldn't shut up. Keeping that low profile. I want to go back uh, to remind the listeners that don't remember. In 2005, you took down the Eclipse Award, but you were really honest about it. You said it was probably a makeup for the, for the huge oversight in 2004 and you told me earlier maybe 2003 and 2004 right that's how i saw it but uh, and i heard that uh mr melnick <clears throat> wasn't was sick and that was the year that i won and and i really do think that he should have won it that year for 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 certain uh you had it coming you didn't oh. all right so this is an interview between roger stein just a rich, older guy who, you know, owned horses. And he had a show on Sunday. So on the way to get bagels, I used to listen to these guys, old timers. And then I'll put a link to the uh, interview I did with Tim Conway Jr. His dad was Tim Conway on the Carol Burnett show and all that. He talked about uh, how his uh, dad taught him math at the racetrack. <laughs> That's how you learn math. You learn it at school. Learn it at the racetrack. So it was kind of cool on Sunday mornings, non-football season, to hear the old timers talk about horse racing. So you got oh, Roger no. Stein and uh, Mike Gill, and we will give you links to all these people. But here we give you context of our horse racing true crime. Awful lot of winning, and you remind everyone always that your percentage was nothing out of the ordinary. Uh, that a lot of the horses that you claimed and dropped down. Uh, didn't necessarily show a profit, but you have the, I think you're the only guy out there that ever has accusers and no positive tests. Now, you you did say, you owned up to this, 
that I think it was 1993 or something or 2003. It was many years ago. You did 94. get a bad 94. You did get a bad test, didn't you? How about this? Uh, I had to fire my trainer. I didn't have a trainer. It was the very first horse I ever ran. Came back with a bad test. And I fired him that morning, so it was that trainer's horse. But what was really going on, and it's always been an issue for me, is me fighting corruption in thoroughbred racing. They had a HPA union there that they were selling out its membership, telling them to be year-round racing if they got slot machines. The truth is, I sat in those meetings. It was going to be a six-week meet. When I came forwards and wouldn't shut up, and I told people and reported to the Globe, they put a gun to my head, and I still wouldn't shut up. The next day, my first horse, bad test. All right, so he's right there. Let me know if it makes sense, Scott. He's talking about corruption. So we'll get into something that I just taught Chad, who's on the NFL podcast, about selective prosecution, right? There's too many crimes being committed, supposedly all over the country, that cops pick and choose what crimes they want. Now, there's a difference between something being illegal and something being immoral and unethical. So these boards, these city councils, these county boards, uh, the corruption is they do a lot of things that are unethical immoral but not illegal legal correct now if something is illegal right since they're friends with the guys with the guns the sheriff they pay the sheriff right not to prosecute so that's corruption so here he's talking about them lying to the people saying you do xyz we make money we're going to do year round when they knew it was only going to be six weeks yeah makes sense makes perfect sense Yep. Now, the other part of it is, uh, which floored me, right? We were doing the podcast last year, and we, we did the podcast on the on the horse racing boards. We'll do again. And you can research for us, too, the uh, horse racing board in Massachusetts. And I'll tell you about the one here in California. Yeah. Uh, in, in this interview is in 2015, right? Just last year. Uh, Churchill Downs got a legit lab to test the horses. They're saying that the other lab was not good, wasn't, you know, wasn't legitimate. So what about all these people, all these tests that you've been doing throughout the years? You what, you can throw them out? I can't, what, this is 2022? This is 2015? Right. I can see what Mike Gill's saying. Who knows whether that, 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 that horse tested dirty. And then we'll get into basic drugs because you have to know, right? Uh, who knew? We're putting all these vaccines in our bodies. We don't even know what they are. So we're going to do like a basic, like clenbuterol will be mentioned here. Yep. What clenbuterol is, it gets in your heart. And for humans and horses, same way. Uh, just the way ketamine, humans take ketamine for, you know, the party. Joe Rogan loves ketamine, right? And gets hallucination. Tembunerol uh, gets into your bloodstream and turns a two and a half hour workout into a seven hour workout and gives your 
your more lung capacity, it gives you more lung capacity than you normally would have. Right. And that's why Canelo tested dirty with his triple G for that. Yeah. Right? And that's one of, uh, and that's what I, what I learned with Bart Baffert and what happened with Dina Spirit. Last year, we got two out of three triple, round, triple crown races, a 12 to one Medina, Medina Spirit. And unfortunately, um, Medina Spirit died of a heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. All right, back to Mike Gill here. Yeah. Did you? Did they ever figure out what, what did you do? Did you serve any time, or did you pay a fine? What was the deal? What was the disposition of that case? There was no. There was one that they kicked me out of racing for a couple of years. That was it. They knew what it was. It was a clembuterol overage. A clembuterol, not overage. They didn't have clembuterol. They spiked the horse, and they know they did because I wouldn't go and cover up what I've uncovered with the union. See, corruption in horse racing has been rampant. But the thing that blew up corruption, it was, you could fight this. It's when corporate America, the casinos of the world, united with the corrupt, that showed them wire services and offshore gaming. The same $5,000 horse at Penn National where you couldn't bet 200 bucks, and today you can't bet 200 bucks. Okay, so he's throwing a lot in there. Then we'll break down piece by piece as we go through the podcast and do an interview. A big part of the podcast is going to be the Stronish family, like it was last year. The Stronish family is a $3 billion uh, dynasty, right? And the, and the Belinda and the dad have fought. We'll talk about that. Because I do some of that too, right? I have clients with, who are wealthy and somebody dies and there's, you know, millions of dollars on the line. I ask the lawyers good questions. And I ask questions my client doesn't know about. I'm not a lawyer, but I just ask good questions and get yep. documented and, and get them along. So when they talk about wire services, you think of XBET. So pop quiz, uh, Scott, who owns XBET? I would say Steve Wynn. But <laughs> the Stronich family. Stronich family. Okay. Yeah. Now, there's six tracks, including Santa Anita, I think uh, what well, used to be Hollywood Park, but there's another one here, uh, two here. I think one in Arkansas, one Arkansas. in Louisiana, yep. two uh, in Florida. What dynasty owns those six racetracks? That's um, the Stronish family. The family. <laughs> yeah. Now, six horse farms in this country, uh, two in Lexington, Kentucky, two in Ocala, Florida. Yeah. That, that we talk about, right? Um, who owns those tracks? Stronage. 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 They own everything. And that's uh, vertical integration, which I don't mind, right? Uh, you yep. own everything like Apple, right? Right. So, uh, piece it together, right? piece it together right and we'll talk about uh what happened to uh the shermans right honey and uh if we got the gentleman the, the dad's name billionaire canadians right they'll be part of it so when you talk about wire services right expat and then so you go to the, let's say you go to san anita and you place a bet with expat yeah the Stronish family 
gets a cut of each wager you put and take to the window. I got to stop doing that, then. All right. It, now, expert, we go to expert. No, I don't want expert. I want to do whatever other, but they probably own that too. Yeah. When you put a horse, look on the racing track and see how many of those horses came from a Stronach farm. And also, uh, who's the number one horse buyer, family horse buyer yeah. in the United States? Let's go. Uh, Stronach. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> So that's loaded what he just said there. That's 2015. It's 2022. Yeah. But the yeah. Stronach family owns a lot still to this day, right? So they have farms, trainers, so on and so forth. So Mike Gill getting into this mess. You can yeah. see how he got messed up. And of course, yeah. uh, where's Mark, Mike Gill? He's in parts unknown, probably in New Hampshire somewhere. Right? In yep. picture. As I said to you before, once a New Englander, Always a New Englander, <laughs> so he's he's around. He's up there someplace up in Maine, New Hampshire, right. down in Vermont, someplace in the hiding and like know. like at the end of Breaking Bad, where uh, yeah. Walter yeah. White. Yeah. What if they could bet ten thousand at ten to one? Do you think it might just attempt the corrupt who was doing it for crumbs before? <laughs> That's what's going on, and you know what they're doing with this great wealth. They're buying your politicians and your judges and your courts. Now, I haven't disappeared. No, right this is a question. You don't have to answer, Scott. Uh, but the question is, if judges, if FBI agents, right, are being paid off, how about NFL refs? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Right, you, you're saying that NFL refs, or other, not you, but other people are saying NFL refs, their moral character is so up there, more than these cops, more than these uh, judges, or these FBI agents. I don't think so. <laughs> you see me pulling them together. My attack on Penn National is because they are organized crime, and they have brought these officials. The mayor of Harrisburg for 32 years gets arrested. <laughs> they turn around and they have the AG, which I believe is honest, Catherine Kane, just get kicked out. You know why? She leaked about the corruption. This thing's about to fall apart. The FBI's covering this up. They know. All right. So, yeah, uh, I don't have links to all this, but Black Mass was a good movie about uh, Wally Bert, uh, Bulger. Uh, Penn National, huge. Huge, huge, huge. A lot of things going on over there. Portnoy is being investigated by the Security and Exchange Commission. I said that a while back. During the 2020, he was pumping and dumping stocks. And this has been done forever. They pump and dump lines. Yep. Right? Yep. Big cat. Okay, so you said, okay, Bartool Sports is owned by Penn National. And, and Portnoy is an employee of Penn National. Yep. Okay. So Penn National is owned by, in general, the five families in New York. One of the five families in particular, the front guy is Steve Wynn from Wynn Encore, had a great time at his places. Uh, the Wynn and now the Wynn Boston. I think he's even doing a Wynn New Hampshire 
He's he's doing all of them. And don't worry, it's coming, Josh. It's coming. <laughs> he's bullying everybody. He's doing overruns that we talked about how the Rams owner got bullied with some overruns. Overruns, more money, more money, more money. Great wealth. Yeah. And yeah, yeah NFL podcast. Um, I'll send you the BAP Scott. Can't send everybody. I'll send it to you. It's it's so interesting to me when you get downloads from Macau, China, downloading an NFL betting podcast where the Wins have a hotel there. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, no doubt. That stuff is huge overseas in, in those countries. But betting yeah. is huge. I mean, you know, I watched the the morning lesson on our local cable thing has the the recent um betting channel on in the morning never had it before the last two years now all of a sudden they have it uh comcast you get a lot sports. better content than that right yeah comcast sports in boston has a betting show never had it before now in the last year they've had it so it's it's like huge and i can't believe how it would be over in those countries so right no no we'll, we'll be on a cable please <laughs> New York is coming to make football season. The ESBC network give you not only that we show you how to invest in stocks the yep. same way you've been on on a game. Yep. Listen, I haven't been wrong yet one time. Now tell me if you still think I'm crazy because I'm telling you now. There's been a rest last night that you haven't even heard yet. The compromise is they don't want to get into the politicians. They don't want to get into Penn National. Penn National is 93% of it is owned by the casinos. Win Casino, who bought land in <laughs> Boston to build a casino. You know what the holdup was? Because I caught wires from Penn National to these, the Post and Nostra of New England, not my words, the Boston Globe. They were purchasing it from Win. Win, who owns 30% of Penn National. See? There's mob connections here. Do you want them controlling your judges in courts? That's what's at stake here. It's, it's horse racing and the life and death of it. But it goes into your courts. It goes into to these law firms and the insurers. We just get turned out, inside out by the business world. Why do you think you've seen all this corruption? And no one goes to jail. And who's grown out of our eight years of recession? The casino world. Well, Mike, I do what I me, do. Well, let me back this up just a little bit, okay? Okay, so uh, we've made the connection, right? With Portnoy, yep. uh, you know, Lefty Rosenthal, right? From the casino fans to this day from the Line Institute comes up with the line. So when he's talking about recession, he's talking about a 2009 recession. Uh, they, most countries wish they had the recession we had. Why? Because there was a huge amount of, of corruption in the mortgage industry. Yeah. Right? Then nobody, the real people that should have gone to jail did not, did not go to jail. Yeah. So when somebody says they're getting real numbers from DraftKings, that 60% is betting on one team, then 40% is going to bet on the other team, when the mortgage market is corrupt, to be honest, stock market is corrupt in real estate, right? Find an innocent uh, 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 innocent or non-corrupt real estate agent <laughs> or mortgage company out there, right? Yeah. You yeah. Can't, can't trust any of them. So you're going to trust an NFL line or, 
or FanDuel telling you where the money's going. Ridiculous, right? So that's where yeah. the argument for regulation comes in. So we get real numbers and that just will blow everything up. And, and any better or any better in any sport, when you do your research, you're going to see those numbers come up. Take a look at them. Don't, don't put a lot of stock into them because at all, as Josh just said, those numbers are not what you should be looking at when you go to the window to bet. Hey, the Bengals got 80% of the handle. I'm going to bet that. No, don't do it. <laughs> just don't do it. You know, take them into account, you know, look at them, say, well, that's interesting. And then just put them aside. Right. Cause I, I have them when I'm, when we're going through our podcast, I have those numbers sitting here, but I never use them. I never use them. I just put no, them no. down. The, the only thing when you look at line movements, you ask yourself, over the line, how am I being manipulated? Right. Before I put <clears throat> on again for a second, uh, in the beginning, they talked about ESPN. <laughs> ESPN, their PR firm for the NFL, they're not journalists. Right. Right. Exactly. exactly. And that's one of the reasons we did the podcast. Because we're doing real journalism. Well, I'll end up talking to people you know, as we do it uh, a little better than last year, because last year things got crazy. We'll interview a board member, either from Massachusetts, California. It could be from Arkansas. A horse racing board member, we'll interview them, and they can give us insight yeah. more into making sense of all of this. Exactly. So we're aware of our surroundings, which is basic. You get a feeling, you know, Lenny Shulman's on the line with us, by the way, and um, we'll he has the same sort of opinion that every time you've been questioned or asked about it, you've been straight up, and obviously you're not hiding anything, but how do you go from a guy that 10 years ago was one of the dominant owners in the game, certainly when they talk claiming, uh, your, your, two, your name, Mike Gill, was going to be the next thing discussed within 10 minutes how do you go to the extreme where you want to expose these guys more than you want to win two or three races a day what makes that happen well let's not forget i came from a family that had nothing we no, look for change to buy a pound of bologna i'll skip a little bit to here but we're going to talk about this a little bit what do you think, Scott, that Mike's skill, because I think Roger kind of got into it. Roger was dying. He was old. He was trying to help him out a little bit. It's like, oh, you're getting a little bit too emotional. Yeah. And you're losing sight where now he doesn't even want to win anymore. He wants, exactly. like, revenge. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. I agree. He's um, all through this, this conversation that Josh is playing, the one, one prevalent thing is passion. He's very right. passionate, and he and he's he's being over passionate in in some of the, the uh, just look at the voice. You don't even have to listen to what he's saying. Just just listen to the voice, and the voice tells you he's very passionate. He's becoming very defensive in some things that 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 guy Roger will ask him. Yeah, you know. So that's yeah. that. Emotions are liars. Yeah, and that's why there's no such thing. Again, ESPN lying to you, right? There's no right. such thing as a bad beat. Most of the time it's because you didn't do enough research and you picked the wrong team. Exactly. Or no, there's no. 20% luck time. Right. You know, a lot of bad beats is you not studying teams at the end. I lost a lot of money 
when uh, Rick Barnes couldn't inbounds the ball. Now I know if it's a close game and it's, you know, plus or minus four, I'm going to take Barnes if he has a better team on the money line, not the points, because he probably still hasn't fixed his inbounds play. Yeah, and I, I, I think, think on the beat. And I think on the Hawthorne effect, if you listen, I don't think bad beat was mentioned one time no. by us all year long. It never has been mentioned by us. And it never, in my mind, I don't think it'll ever be mentioned by any of us, me, you, or Chad. Because it's a so, myth. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. To take your money, right? So you take the blame off you. Right. Bad beat is an excuse for people. Exactly. So. Indicted. You're going to hear a couple more in the next couple days. See? See, the thing that you have to remember, why I became enemy number one, I was running in more races than anyone in the country. So when I would go to these racetracks, if they were cheating and they were betting money offshore, do you think the guy who could would, would insist on his jockey running fairly wasn't the enemy? I, they came to me many times to join the club. But I refused. That's why they were refusing and claiming. And they were saying I was cheating and claiming because I was buying the horse they were cheating with, which is why Sam Abbey kicked me out of Delaware. And I said it then, which is why in Saratoga, they came up with a bad test. They couldn't have me running it straight. There's the difference. And when right, you stop, see stop, international, stop, that's Mike. exactly what happened. <laughs> stop for a second, Mike, because there's so much. <laughs> Hold it. <laughs> so we'll put links to everybody. Uh, we get more Cerebro in this part of the year. It'll have links to everything where people can know who they are. He talked about Catherine Kane, right? Yep. And as far as the life thing here, I'm going to read her Wikipedia. Let me know your thoughts on Catherine Kane, former attorney general. She was the head cop in the state of Pennsylvania. Kane was born... In Scranton, Pennsylvania, right in the office of Scranton, Pennsylvania. She attended West Scranton High School. She received a Bachelor of Science degree. Because a lot of this is tragedy that we're talking about here. Yeah. Of course, Navarro is a tragedy. Jason Service is a tragedy. All this, it's all tragedy. My Gil's even a tragedy. Yeah. Uh, international studies from University of Scranton. In 1988, she got her uh, law degree from Temple University and passed the bar. She ends up getting involved in politics, right? So when Trump says that the elections are rigged in Pennsylvania, right? But it's probably because he rigged it for himself in 2016. Then they'll see people turn up against him in 2020. In August 2015, King, right? You look at her picture there, she's a beautiful woman. Yeah, became very pretty. Was charged with multiple offenses related to her position as attorney general, right? So she probably got put in by the mob, and then it always does. Usually, ninety to eighty percent of the time, you're in the mob, even if you're a made man, it doesn't end up good. Yeah, yeah. including felony perjury charge and array of misdemeanors that included oppression, obstruction, and related conspiracy charges in 2015. The Supreme Court of Pennsylvania suspended her law license that she worked hard for, from the Scranton High School to becoming a lawyer to attorney general. And in 2016, she was convicted of law charges, including two 
felony perjury charges, conspiracy, obstruction of justice, and announced her resignation the following day. Huh? On, so she fought to the end. She was in office. Yeah, she did. Okay. Yeah. And she on did. November, not this recently too, really, uh, almost year one of the podcast, on November 29, 2018, she was reported to the Montgomery County Correctional Facility. How horrible is that? To begin serving 10 to 23-year wow. prison term. On July 31st, 2019, she was released from prison. Now, to be honest, if Scott or Josh got a 10 to 23 years, it'd be closer to 23 years. How did she get out in a year and a half, Scott? Connections. Big time, <laughs> con big time connections. And it wasn't in COVID again, where they're like, oh, it's COVID and everybody's going to die and she didn't kill anyone, let her out. No, this is before. July 30, you know. Smart woman, very smart woman, it seems like, you know, lawyer, everything else, caught up in the wrong circumstances, you know, gets put in jail, correctional facility, and then her her connections basically got her out in, in then July of, what, 2019, I think you said? Yeah. After That's what it exactly looks like on the surface, is that's what happened. And yeah. I wouldn't doubt that that's what happened. So I forgot the name of the trainer, bro. This trainer works for Penn National. And for 30 years, she was spiking horses with clemuneral. That's what she got busted with. <laughs> How long was her suspension from Belmont, Scott? Two weeks. <laughs> I was going to say three months, a month to three months. That was it. Two weeks. I wonder why. Right, 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 right. And Mike Gill got two years. All right. So let's finish up with Mike Gill and then uh, okay. we'll give you the next podcast. And that'll be it. The way we're not getting filled in about. When all of this was going on, your horses were involved. Uh, Lenny, I hope you're still there with me because I know you. Lenny, Lenny wake up. Lenny, where are you? <laughs> They're all in their 80s. Uh, That's Mike, why I love you. Toward the end when he decided. I didn't really have grandparents. They're all Because good. the jockeys were, were, weren't willing to ride his horses. They were too sore, according to them. Three and four days later, the same horses appeared in the box with those very same jockeys. Now, either those trainers are miracle workers and got them sound right away, or the conspiracy that Mike talks about really existed to a level that few people could believe. That's exactly what happened. They were saying they weren't too sore. For instance, you've seen the ESPN, and they've shown the horse breaking down and five horses falling behind it. How about I wasn't even in the race? That's right. Didn't have a horse in the race. But you had to buy that story. They couldn't have you listen to that it was a gambling syndicate. Those jockeys are part of it. And here's this. Dana Whitney, he's indicted. How's that? Willie Otaro, he's indicted right now. See? These are the very guys. These are the very guys, Mike, that you pointed the finger at. That was all that was actually believable it wasn't a long it wasn't a long stretch to get to that point where people could see what had happened the thing was as i told you you started square one was square 20 there was nothing filling in what led up to all this so here you are the mike gill 10 years ago winning you know record numbers of races uh finally picking up that 
Eclipse Award, which you never even said to me. Now, if you listen, he's that admitted that he, he won a gold Was it something you wanted more than anything on earth was to win that eclipse? Because it seemed at the time pretty important. Again, maybe that's just what's fair or what's right. Roger, dead on. I paid for the trophy. Get it? I never did it for the money. I did it to be a champion. Look what I think. They wrote a book and they interviewed me when I had three horses, broke down horses at Suffolk Downs. They asked me, what are you going to be? I said, I'm going to be the world champion. They laughed. The book was uh, written by the announcer over there. See? But I became the world champion. When I seen this too, I played for the trophy. The trophy here is the people. And turn racing around. That's the trophy I play for. I spent $51 million in 10 years. What's my motivation? Money? And here's this. Crazy? How about I went from being homeless to the largest brokerage firm in the country and a person who has won more races than anybody who's ever lived? Maybe I had a little insight. Maybe I brought something to the table. But rather than choosing to be in that world of wealth, I put everything on the line including my own freedom with these people and life and my children's lives that you can see have been threatened on the internet. Relationship with their kids, Mike, they, they, they're bright kids. They must be looking at go to the track with me. We'd sit in the track kitchen. We'd be sitting with the jockeys. I mean, going through the bullet, that's the thing. The most hated man in racing. I'm going to prove them that their father was the most honest man fruition all of the things you said were gonna happen happen all right so we'll close one question one question go ahead where is lenny i did you ever hear <laughs> lenny in this part <laughs> <Lenny, laughs> <Lenny. laughs> yeah he's uh on twitter got his number i'll call him we'll try to get somebody we get some people to add on uh <laughs> lenny's like i'm out of it i don't i want nothing to do with this People, uh, people, but on Mike Gill, who they just interviewed, go back and look at it. You can find on the internet right. how many races he entered, how many, what the dollar value was, his win places and shows in every year. Not every race, every year. And, and you can basically make a judgment for yourself as to what he's saying on the podcast and some of what he's saying, is it accurate or is it not accurate? There's some articles no, based on, no. you know, stuff like that. What he's saying, there's articles based on what he's saying. So, Right. In, in the same names you hear over and over again. Yes. I own stock yeah. in, in Win Enterprises. I own stock in Penn National. Why not? <laughs> Absolutely. And that's there's part no of it. That's part of it. Conspiratorial. We could be crazy. Uh, George Shore Moonbeams. But... Uh, you know, uh, the Bucks are at home. Super Bowl's at home. They have Tom Brady. Let me bet on them to win the Super Bowl. Guess what? They won. Rams are playing at home in the Super Bowl. Uh, they'll get a call to win, but the Bengals are going to cover. Call me crazy, but we cashed the ticket and we made money. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. As crazy as you want. So you look at the conspiratorial, not to make a judgment, not to judge people. But to understand, right? So what we say with the podcast, even this podcast, the same thing happened. People were arguing about this and that. And I said, hey, I don't have necessarily, and I'll get your thoughts. Let me know what you think at the end of this. I don't have really an opinion one way or another. I'm trying to understand the horse race, just, you know, industry and learn. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, I I have a guy at work where I used to work yeah. I, since I've, I've gone to another location who is huge into horse racing, huge. And every night we talked about it, Kentucky Derby, Breeders' Cup, horses, post positions. That's another thing you look at when you're betting, post positions, how the horse finishes. You look at a lot of stuff in horse racing, how the horse finishes, What's his time in the quarter? We, you know, stuff like that. And that's what I look at when I make these bets. I'm not just going to say, oh, I'm betting Medina Spirit because he's the favorite. No, is it, you know, why is he the favorite? Right. So you have to look at all this. The favorite only wins 20% of the time. Yeah. And this stuff helps. You can argue about that too. Some people think it's 30%, whatever, but it's still not. Right. Most of the time, we're that people bet the favorite or right how they run on grass how they run on on uh, dirt how, you know stuff well, like that. the horse do the strategies on this horse yeah i had a theory at suffolk downs okay anytime a horse that was colored white ran they were going to either win place or show and it happened almost a hundred percent of the time those horses win place or show so you have to kind of look at, at, and the reason why is because they had good trainers good owners people that took care of the horses, people that knew when to run them, knew when to pull back on them. So that those, those things are important. And I, I think this, this podcast here is going to open people's minds as to how to bet horse racing, how to, you know, how to bet NFL, how to bet NBA, how to do all that stuff. Um, no, so, on. you know, I'm excited to be, be doing this because I, I think it's going to, it's going to get your knowledge even more into betting. And exactly what and the whys and the hows and stuff like in that. In the so, world you live in, because what yes, the benefit of this podcast is we're right. giving you information you can't get anywhere else. You can't watch ESPN and yep. get uh you know the process of it. So before the triple crown races, we'll get into that. How to yep. bet them, right? I bet and it's worked so far, knock on wood. I bet the uh, jockeys versus the horse. Yeah, I do as well. They're on the horses. Around all the time, they know which horses to run. Uh, yeah. The other thing, too, will help you understand really crystal clear. I've been working on this for years in other ways yeah. of why since 2018, uh, over 600 horses have died in Santa Anita. Yeah. That doesn't need to happen. And obviously, oh, we love the horses. We love the horses. Eh? And uh, we'll give you closing thoughts. Um, you know, uh, they say they love horses. We'll get your answer, and then we'll give them a short show, right? They say they love the horses, right? Yep. But 600 horses die in Santa Anita. We'll talk about uh, George Navarro and Jason Service, right? Uh, so Hello? At one time, and Mike Christianese, and I'll get that recording because he, Mike Christianese, really kind of crystallized it. He said, at one point, and they still do, they love the horses, but they get divorced, they lose money, and they get into a desperate situation. They get involved in a syndicate, a mafia, that if they go in one direction, right, they might get popped. So suddenly, 600 horses die. What do you think, Scott? Yeah, it's all those horses dying in Santa Anita. That's there's something something up with that. 
something, something going on with that. So, um, again, just just listen listen to this and take in what you want to take in and what you should take in because it's it's going to be very important. Come all this is leading up to with Kentucky Derby, then okay. the betting, then the NFL draft, then all that other stuff. So, um, you know, we'll you bring know who they are. So when you go to the Harsh Course Track, yep. you have a real sense. Okay, this is the guy who's the groomer. This is the guy walking up with the horse. What what is a claiming race? Exactly. All that stuff you get it together. Then yep. you get perspectives. Yeah. Right. Uh, on what's going on. And now's the time to start focusing because now we're in the middle of February. When's Kentucky Derby? It's coming up in like seven, six to eight weeks. So now's the time to start thinking about what you're doing because these horses are gearing up. These trainers and owners are gearing up for what? Kentucky Derby. So focus on it. So 100%. All right. We'll close with Winston Churchill because you don't have to, as far as the Kentucky Derby is concerned, the last two and a half years, the two years I've gotten right, last last two of them. Uh, two out of three Triple Crown races last yep. year. Yep. So in the Breeders' Cup, Scott's going to help me with the Breeders' Cup. Usually I don't have time. But Absolutely. Scott helping me with the time, we'll be able to do it. So yep. what that means is that you don't have to pay Action Sports anybody for information on how to bet the Triple Crown races and the Breeders' Cup. Also, you'll learn a heck of a lot, 100 years worth of knowledge on human nature and understanding the world that you live in and around and surround yourself with and local political corruption. So we close with Winston Churchill. You make a living from your labor, but you make a life from what you give. Thank you for listening to the ESBC Podcast Network. That's why this one.